Hello, hello. On today's show, I will be joined by Van Comerford to discuss the Phoenix Suns and their run to the Western Conference Finals. At the end of the episode, I'm doing Nick's picks. We uh, we took three steps back and no steps forward last week in Nick's picks on our march back to the black, but that's okay. We got a couple winners picked out for this week. We are gonna get there eventually, but. To begin with, the wiki of the week this week is the International Circus Hall of Fame. So, how did I get to this Wikipedia page? Well, I have another podcast called Pork Rinds, which me and NJ podcast Big John host, where we come up with ideas to uh, improve the world. I'm sure you've heard a couple ads for them here on this show, but... My idea this week, or here coming up in a couple weeks, I guess, but the recording that we did this week was for basically the Hall of Fame of Hall of Fames, where we would be inducting current Hall of Fames into our Hall of Fame. But going down that rabbit hole in particular led me to this particular Wikipedia page, the International Circus Hall of Fame. So this is what I found interesting about this page, and this is why I'm sharing it with you all now. So currently... The International Circus Hall of Fame is in Peru, Indiana, but it was formerly in Sarasota, Florida. So here's the weird story behind how it was started and how it got to be in Peru, Indiana. Here we go. The Peru property was purchased in 1891 by Benjamin Wallace, who was the owner of the Wallace Circus. In 1921, the American Circus Corporation acquired the property and Wallace's circus operation. So now here we're, you know, 30 years in to the property. Now the American Circus Corporation owns it. About a decade later, 1929, about the time the Great Depression hits, the American Circus Corporation was sold to John Ringling of the Ringling Brothers. And so this property was then used from 1929 all the way until 1944 for the Ringling Brothers. Kind of for the same purpose that they used it for, for the Wallace Circus and for the American Circus Corporation. It was basically just used to like house performers and give them a place to stay and work on their craft in the off-season. Or at least that's my understanding of these properties from my brief Wikipedia dive. But uh, the so to, to get to the Hall of Fame here. The Hall of Fame, like I said, was started in Sarasota, Florida. So the Ringling Brothers owned a property in Sarasota there that they purchased in the early 1920s. And at some point there in the late 40s, early 50s, residents in Sarasota called for there to be a Circus Hall of Fame. And so... They built one there. They established it in 1956. They've been inducting members ever since. But in 1981, the rights for the Hall of Fame were up for sale. So they were going to be leaving Sarasota, Florida. It was up to really anybody who wanted to buy the rights to this Hall of Fame and house it, they could. So in, like I said, 1981, Indiana residents, businesses, and even the state government helped purchase the rights to the International Circus Hall of Fame. And they ended up moving it to that property there, which also I believe the city owns there in Peru, Indiana. And 
they moved the Circus Hall of Fame to that property that the Ringling Brothers formerly owned, which was formerly, formerly owned by Benjamin Wallace of the Wallace Circus, and now houses the International Circus Hall of Fame. So I thought that was incredibly fascinating, and I thought it was worth sharing here on the podcast. But uh, up next, Van Comerford. We are talking Phoenix Suns. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth makes the best coolers since the Ice Age. They are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between. Their Cruiser and Ranger series coolers are rotomolded with extreme durability and longevity. It takes over one hour of manufacturing to form the thick inner and outer walls of each cooler box and lid. The cooler lid itself is constructed with a freezer grade gasket made of thick rubber that seals against the rim of the cooler to prevent any airflow or change of internal temperature. All of this helps maintain ice retention up to seven days. Their Ranger 65 is even certified bear proof. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word at checkout, to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. We want to thank Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Joining me on the show, he's a musician, actor, Phoenix native, tunnel enthusiast, making his long-awaited and highly anticipated return here to the NJ Pod, Van Comerford. Oh, How's yes. it going, buddy? It is going great. Thank you for that kind introduction. Man, I am in cloud nine, let me tell you. Woo! Let's go, sons! Yeah, yeah. What, what happened today? I mean, we got the inevitable sweep, you know? Once you go up 3-0... We all know how it goes. Teams don't lose. Right. Yeah, it's never happened. You got to feel good when you're up 3-0. But now yeah. that you're pulling out the broom and it's not a gentleman's broom, it's not a gentleman's sweep. This is a true sweep. And you guys won pretty convincingly in the first round as well. We did. But like, what have you been up to though recently? What have, uh, what have you been watching? Ooh, I've been watching all sorts of stuff. I mean, been getting my fix of sports, obviously. Um, sure. pretty much only, uh, basketball. I don't really touch the D backs currently, as we all know how they are doing. Um, you know, once we, uh, got the championship in 2001, you just can't really come back from that. That's, you know, we kind of peaked there. So I haven't uh, been watching a lot of baseball recently. Um, but I'm getting my, my, uh, my fill of, uh, rewatches of a lot of my favorite shows. I've been doing uh, an Adventure Time rewatch. I've been doing an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia rewatch. I've been watching Lost again. I mean, you know, I'm a huge Lost fan. Anyone who uh, was alive at all, uh, you know, cognizant in the mid 2000s. If you don't, if you don't know what Lost is, I, I don't know what you're doing. Um, I mean, Lost is an incredible show, a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. If you will, what, what part are you will. at? Uh, season two, midway through season two. Um, and it's just, it's 
it gets better What's going on every uh, every episode. So they've opened the hatch, right? So that is uh, at the end of season one. They open up the hatch. They meet Desmond. They learn about the button. Um, and then, but the, the really big thing that happens uh, in season two is the tail section of the plane. The people from that uh, group of people come and meet our castaways from the main section of the plane um, that we've been following for the last like season and a half. And so, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, big faces that you would recognize. Michelle Rodriguez, who is now a huge star. Uh, she was in the tail section and she comes in playing Ana Lucia and she has her own sort of demon she's dealing with. You know, she's a cop. She's an L.A. cop. Um, and so her, her backstory is very conflicting. You know, she's got issues with her mom and she had like anger issues on the force. And so there are. Um, really good, you know, social commentaries as well that are still very valid today. Um, but, you know, I think she, she is a really good character because ultimately she kind of wants to do the right thing, even though it is very, very difficult for her. She usually does the wrong thing, but um, she she is a very, like, redeemable character. And obviously, like, anyone who's watched the show knows her sort of the end of her story is pretty tragic but um oh no yeah you know i'm not gonna give anything away but uh it, it's a 20 year old show you can say whatever you want if if somebody hasn't watched lost and is concerned about <laughs> lost spoilers come on you, yeah. you had the time oh yeah i mean listen like anyone who doesn't think that michael as a character is uh like in the top three like worst characters like in terms of just their um their morality that kind of thing um i don't know what you're thinking because uh, michael is the one who he kills anna lucia like he's trying to get his his back walt you know he's trying to get his son and like that is very valiant but like he just does it the wrong way he's willing to kill anyone break anyone's heart ruin his reputation with anyone to do that and then obviously the biggest tragedy uh other than him just killing anna lucia is um he kills libby who is Hurley's girlfriend to be? They're building this great relationship. You know, you know, Hurley always had terrible luck with uh, just in life and with women. And, um, you know, just when you think he's uh, gonna have a good life, he gets it kind of gets the rug pulled right out from under him um, by Michael. And then Michael takes off. Why is Michael killing these people? I've never watched an episode of Lost. So yeah, well, I, so basically, you know, on the island, they encounter these people called the Others who have already been there uh, long before they crashed on the island. And uh, we don't really know what their motivations are. At this point in the show, um, you know, it's kind of conflicting. They, they have gone through various phases themselves of exactly like what their motivations are, who kind of comes into being part of the Others and, and what have you. But anyway... Um, the only child who crashes on the island other than Aaron, who is born on the island uh, from Claire, who was pregnant on the plane, um, is Walt, who's like 10 years old. And he gets kidnapped by the others, like off of their raft. They build a raft to get off the island. They find like it's in the middle of the night. The light, the the um, this light on a boat shines on them. They think they're being saved. And they're like, we're going to have to take the boy. And it's like like what and they kidnap him blow up the boat and then michael is on this quest to get walt back um and and you know like i will say one of the silver linings probably is that 
he he will do anything for his son and he's had this very tumultuous relationship with his son like he had his uh, parenting rights taken away from him and you know his mother or uh, Walt's mother raised him for his whole life and so he hasn't had like this close relationship with his son and the fact that he really wants to get him back like so badly is telling of how much he I guess loves Walt but he doesn't know the right way to go about it and he just like is willing to step on anyone's necks and like physically kill people to do that um and it's 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 tragic and then but I think Michael kind of gets redeemed by the end um a couple seasons later he comes back to sort of help the castaways who are still remaining on the island and then ultimately sacrifices himself. So, wow. What an arc for Michael. Yeah, it's dude. I mean, the arcs in this show, let me tell you, are the best arcs of any television show. Anyone who's watched lost knows that the backstories of these characters are like none other. And, and like the themes that they weave in with their, their flashbacks to what's happening on the Island. It's just chef's kiss is just, fantastic say what you will about the last couple seasons i personally like the ending i think it gets better the more times you watch it um but you know people who saw it one time on tv were left a little confused and that's okay but uh i don't hold it uh, against them at all yeah i've always heard it had a controversial ending i don't know what that ending is but yeah so you're saying you're basically at the point you're like at the merge where the two tribes like the yes. tail in the middle yes. are merging that might be the perfect analogy, can I say? Oh, th thanks, man. You know, and I will say, I just watched the last season of uh, Survivor that is on Hulu right now, um, Game Changers. Mm-hmm. Did you see Game Changers? Is that season... 34, I think? Yep, yep. It's after, it's after Gen X versus... Um, or Gen... Millennials versus Gen X. Because Michaela is on it again. She does back-to-back -back yes, seasons. Yes, and Zeke is as well. Yep. That's what, like, when Zeke gets outed, yeah, yeah. Zeke gets outed, and it's insane. Uh, and, and so you have seen it, right? I have seen that okay, season, Okay, because Sarah yes. wins, and I thought, like, yep. she was perfect. Like, right after the merge, when she was kind of taking charge, I was all Team Sarah. Like, I, I thought she totally deserved the, uh, the victory, and I'm really happy for her. Yeah. Like you love a season like that. You just got to love a season like that, you know, because there are a lot of seasons where they eliminate your favorite character and then you're left with like a final three that's like kind of okay. Or like people that aren't supposed, you know, like aren't, uh, they kind of play dirty or just like not very yeah. like, interesting. You're like, oh, you know, the last few episodes, you're like, all right, let me just kind of speed through this. Like, I don't know if I really want to watch all of their like discussion on the island. It's like, I don't even really care anymore. Yeah, it was an honorable win. It was. It really was. Yeah. And there were a lot of other good people uh, on that season. Just like really good dialogue, I think, on the island. Uh, just really good, solid relationships formed. Yeah. And once you get into the 30s there on those seasons with Survivor, all of these contestants have either played the game before or have watched the game for years. Mm -hmm. And the amount of like dynamics changing even within an episode is wild absolutely like every everything really can change in a week once you get into these later seasons completely well i think that's one thing that you kind of forget about it's like you've been watching multiple episodes and it's like you feel like so much has happened it's like it's, it's only been a week 
and there have already been all of these changes, people eliminated, all these crazy challenges, people finding idols, Jeff, like having his mind blown, you know, by stuff that people say in tribal council. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's that was a week. Amazing television. I love it. Shout out to Jeff Probst. Shout out to Jeff Probst. And, uh, you know, for creating the the best. Yeah, the whole crew. Exactly. The best reality television game show ever created. Dare I say it. It is fantastic. The world's greatest social experiment, as they say. It really is. But speaking of great television and, you know, winning, the Suns are going to the conference finals for the first time since... 2010 baby 11 years it's been i was 15 years old the last time the suns were in the playoffs and granted we did go to the western conference final last time but we got beaten four to two uh in the series by the lakers which you know for all my arizona fans out there you know the pain of getting so close and then just choking at the last minute and especially choking to Los Angeles, which happens constantly. And it's funny, you know, like I think Arizona fans think that Arizona sports have more of a rivalry with LA than LA fans think LA has a rivalry with Arizona. You know what I mean? Yep. Where yep. it's like, we're like, Oh yeah. Like, like LA, like those are our, our main rivals. And LA is like, Oh yeah, they're, you know, they can be good sometimes. Like they're not, it's like we have bigger fish to fry out in LA. And it's like the same thing with the Arizona Cardinals with the Seahawks, you know, it's just, you can't really catch a break sometimes as an Arizona sports fan, but we are right now because the Suns are in the Western conference final, baby. Mm, Yes. You love to see it. How many times has this happened? Have we been to the Western Conference Final or yeah. have we had a ch- shot at the championship? Been to the Western Conference Finals. I got a little trivia. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to say, what, like three times? Is it three? Ooh. No? No, wait. More? Considerably more. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Well, because I mean, I figure like we had Nash era, Barkley era, right? My Barkley era knowledge is not that good. I mean, obviously, we went to the finals as well. Um, didn't win. So it's got to be at least... I mean, we probably had, what, under Nash, like three, four? Dude, all, oh, man, I'm going to get chewed out by those hardcore Suns fans. I'm sure we'll be oof, hearing from them. <laughs> uh, you guys were pretty good there in the 80s. You guys at least were like making the playoffs there for a while. But this is your ninth conference finals. You know... On paper, I should feel good about that, right? But it kind of like saying we have nine and not like four or five is a little more salt in the wound, I feel like. Right, right. Because do you know what their record is? You want to give a guess to what their record is in those appearances? How many times have the Suns been to the finals? Um, I think we've been to the finals. um, Is it only twice? Correct. Yeah. In 1976, where you lost to the Boston Celtics in six games. And then in 1993, when you lost in six games to some guy named Michael Jordan. Hmm. I don't know who that is. Was he in the league for that long? Uh, It says that he retired after this. Oh, interesting. Well, I hope he's doing okay wherever he is. Yeah. Shout out to you, Michael Jordan, wherever you are. Yeah. But uh, before we get into this year's potential conference 
finals matchups. I want to rewind the clock all the way to last November. Let's do it. The last time you were on the show. Let's do it. A lot has changed since then. <laughs> At the time, you're... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your Cardinals were 6-3 uh, and three with a chance at first place in the NFC West. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I said we were going to, like, win out the rest of the series and then we – or w rest of the season and we won, like, one game. We went through the – yeah, the games and the potential wins yeah. and losses. Mm -hmm. I, I was high on the Kyler Murray MVP train at that point. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess at, at that time, uh, GameStop was just a place where you lined up for PS5s. <laughs> <laughs> Some say those people are still lined up on the sidewalk for those PS5s. Yeah. <laughs> to this day. Uh, and your sons were in the midst of a decade-long playoff drought. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna go run. I'm gonna run through here a couple things that we discussed on the show, and we're gonna play a little of what did Van say? Lay it on me. What is all you want as a Suns fan, or as you like qualified what any Suns fan wants? What do you want out of like the Suns in a season? Like what did I say? I think yeah. I think I said just to make the playoffs. We'll give it to you. Or, you or like to... like maybe like a first round series win. Basically, yeah. You actually okay. said to have a good display in the playoffs. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. And then you qualified after you're like, well, there's no chance. Like the finals aren't possible at this time. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I got one more here from that recording. Uh, where did you have the Suns finishing in the West? Oh God! <laughs> and this was this this was uh, in 2020. You're saying? Yeah, this was November 23rd. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, this was 30 NJ Pod episodes ago. Oh my goodness! Finishing in the West, like <sighs> fifth. Okay, again, I'll give it to you. You just said they will be competing for a low seed. You really danced around it. You were really hesitant to give a number. But then you said potentially getting into the playoffs. I didn't want to jinx it. That's that's what it is. I, I did not want to jinx it. It's the Arizona fan in you. you know? Absolutely. I couldn't yeah. do it. I couldn't do it to my boys. And then I was like, well, yeah, you can get the 10 seed this year. And you're like, oh, yeah. You're like, I don't really know what's going on with the play and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's a far ways away. And I, I mean, shoot, until like a month out of the play and I was still like, what exactly are the rules? I mean, right, I got right, it down right. now. Mm -hmm. I understand it, but mm -hmm. yeah. So look, look at where we are now. How far we have come. How far you guys have come. Mm -hmm. What has been your favorite moment between like then and now? Maybe besides this most recent series, because we'll, we'll talk about the series a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it would necessarily be a, a singular moment. I mean, there's probably one that I could point to would be like Monty winning the coaches award. You know, I think he should have won the the coach, the other coach of the year award. Um, you know, that's something specific that I can point to. But also like just the amount of respect, I think, that the Suns have gotten and that Chris Paul specifically has gotten in the last six months, you know, like. It's it's incredible, like just the outpouring of love from the whole NBA, the whole fan base, like all these players. I mean, like it it feels great to root for a team that is respected. Like you know, we're not like the Nets, like where we have this god tier team where you know everyone is just always rooting for them to lose. Like we are a very good team for a lot of different reasons, but like people want us to win like people who are not fan like i have a bunch of friends who are not suns fans and like they are constantly rooting for the suns and it feels great like it 
it just I feel really good about the character of our squad and the leadership that we have and um, and just to like specifically see the amount of respect that Chris Paul has been getting after he was kind of counted out and that Monty has been getting as um, as a coach like it's been it's been amazing like just just the respect that they're putting on our names man it's awesome. I love it as well. And I will add to that just the Instagram photo that LeBron James posted where he signed the uniform and gave it to book mm -hmm. and like gave his respects. Like I, I liked that was a, that was a classy move and shoot that Jersey. It's the last 23 Lakers Jersey mm -hmm. that LeBron will ever wear. Yep. Cause he's changing to number six. Mm -hmm. That Jersey is going to be worth so much money. <laughs> yeah. If he, uh, you know, has some massive financial collapse, in his life, he can uh, sell that jersey for like $10 million and he'll be fine. Yeah, shoot. Well, just take a picture of it and sell 25,000 NFTs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but Booker is another one, man. Like he, like, he has truly ascended um, this season specifically and like just the amount of respect that he's gotten, um, you know, like when it was all-star time um, and just like, people a lot of players specifically have talked about how Devin Booker is like the most disrespected person in the league um and it just it feels good to have kind of that underdog spirit like to know that we're very capable of it but like to have that underdog spirit and have this outpouring of support from people who are not uh on paper Suns fans totally agree and i'll just shout out myself if you literally go back to my very first episode i did like some bubble reactions and things like that and mm -hmm. the one player where i was like this guy is going to be a superstar next season i had like five potential candidates and i had booker at number one i love it man i feel like i called my shot there but their bubble performance was exceptional as well so i was riding that way oh yeah absolutely well i mean that's the thing like Watching that performance, I knew that we were capable of something special and then adding, you know, Chris Paul to the mix and just like changing some things up, changing lineups, getting solid leadership in there. Like it really uh, took this team to the next level. Yeah. Uh, bringing in Jay Crowder. We talked Crowder, about some absolutely. of those. Getting those veterans in there was was the exact right move. The funny thing is when we were talking about you guys released for contract reasons the Arboretum, Frank Kaminsky. Mm -hmm. Frank the Tank. And, now you, and you picked him up on waivers, and now he's back on the team. And I just love seeing him there on the bench. I'm like, ah. I love it. I, I love watching Frank play, seriously. Like, and, and, like, I think he can play at the level that Dario is playing at. And so, like, I don't ever feel like if Dario goes out for whatever reason and they put Frank in, like, that anything's going to change. Like he's just, I like his physical style of play. His height is amazing. And he just, he's, I would like to have a conversation with Frank Kaminsky. He seems like, I don't know. He seems like a fun guy. Yeah. Maybe play a board game with him or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Get my risk on a little bit. Oh yeah. Hey, Loki, just grab Australia. It's easy to hold off. It gets you extra units every turn. Yeah. That's a great little strategy. I mean, if you're not starting with Australia, you make an attempt for it and then you take your uh, your forces to South America and you try to do South America. This guy's played a game of two of risk. Uh, speaking of a game, didn't you go to a Suns game this season? I did, yeah. I was able to go to the last Suns Clippers game of the of the season, of the regular Whoa. season. Um, it was pretty awesome. It was just like on a whim and my buddy drove out for it. And um, 
ended up being a win. It was a really solid game. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'd been following the, the various series uh, between the Suns and the Clippers, but to see them play live and to like see them put on that, uh, that performance and to know that it might be a Suns Clippers Western Conference final, like it really excites me. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Clippers. Um, Cause like when I first moved to LA, I, I mean, I hate the Lakers. I hate the Dodgers. I hate all these LA teams, obviously as an Arizona sports fan, but Chris Paul was there. Blake Griffin was there. DeAndre Jordan was there. And that was the like prime time lob city. And it was just very fun to watch. And I, uh, I don't know, like I kind of have a soft spot for, for the Clippers. You know, I like, uh, I really liked Lou Williams when he was there. And, uh, and now that they have Kawhi and PG and it's just, it's really fun. Like, I don't, I don't feel any like animosity or hatred. Like I have nothing but support uh, for the Clippers and I, I would like to see them win the, the series. Yeah, they're kind of your secondary or adopted team or mm-hmm. the other team you've always kind of rooted for. That's how the Pacers are for me. Mm. I just loved like Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, Rick Smith's that team oh, around yeah. 2000. Mm-hmm. Like that, those were my guys. I was, and it's also like one of the drivable, you know, it's eight hours in any direction from Kansas City to right, get to right. an NBA arena. And that's one of the directions that you can go. How is the how is the stadium there? Oh, Conseco Fieldhouse or what is it? Bank Field Life, whatever. It's cool. It's like in their downtown, but it's kind of on the edge of downtown. So okay. you don't have to get caught in it if you don't want to. But mm-hmm. yeah, Indianapolis has a really cool downtown in general. They have like this tube kind of system there at the center. It's called Circle Center. Mm-hmm. So like you, you know, you can do walkways over roads and you don't have to go outside and there's different shopping areas and things to see like that. Yeah, it, it Indianapolis is cool, but I'm know. from the Midwest, so I can appreciate a good Midwest city. Of course, man. Yeah, I, I would like to get out to as many stadiums as I can, you know, in my lifetime. Like a lot of people do the the baseball stadiums, but I just I, I love going to different NBA stadiums just because it's so intimate and you just get a really like a good feel for like the the atmosphere of the city a little bit. I think it's kind of like this microcosm. Totally. Oh, I mean, basketball is the best live sport because there's no barrier between you and the players and you're so close to the action. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm a little biased. <laughs> basketball is I, my I favorite agree. Sport. You won't hear me disagree <laughs> with that. Uh, let's talk about your sons, though. Which new player has been your favorite? Is it Chris Paul? I mean, I think Chris Paul is the obvious choice. I mean, I think I, I in like it's a tough question because Chris Paul is easily the biggest um, like leadership change. Like the, he's really like the rock, like, uh, you know, from which we are building this team right now. Um, and I think like nine out of 10 people would say that. And I probably would say that as well, but um, I just, I've really liked Jay Crowder's uh, energy that he brings to the team. Like just his, his experience and um, his physicality and his shooting is all amazing. And he just like, I don't know, like I've watched all of his post-game interviews and he just seems to like love the game of basketball and just really have a good time playing with this group. Um, and I just think like as much as having Chris Paul join the team has been amazing and like watching him just like solidify himself as a Hall of Fame basketball player has been incredible. Um, seeing someone 
like Jay Crowder, who kind of takes a lesser role, but like do so much with what he is given on this team is great. I, I really like Jay. Like, I just, I think he's like, he seems really fun. Yeah. And he's asked to do so much for mm-hmm. you guys. It's just like, hey, defend this center for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, he's oh, like, yeah, hey, I'll do sw- it. Switch on to this point guard. We're just going to switch on defense. Oh, I can do that. And he is a streaky shooter. I mean, True. he's kind of your guy's litmus test. If Jay Crowder is knocking in some early threes, you guys are it's gonna in be a really good, good shape. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like with this last game that just happened, game four, I mean, his defense was on point. I mean, he had at least five blocks. Um, it might have been like six or seven by the, the, the time the game was over. But um, his defense was just absolutely lights out. And like like you said, I mean, he's a very streaky player. And like when he gets going on offense or defense, the other players on the team want to play at that level. And it's it's great. I love it. Yeah. And there with Chris Paul, like you said, he's solidified his campaign to be a Hall of Famer. I don't I don't know if he wasn't before, but yeah, this this run is going to be just another one that he can point to. But man, his like 15 foot fading to the right side, three dribble move. It's it's one of my favorite moves in the game of basketball currently. Yeah. It looks so good. It's like Dirk fadeaway good. It's it's like a cheat code. It's like if you if for all the people who play 2K, it's perfect release every single time. You get the little the little ring that like the the green bar fills up, and then it's just like the perfect release animation right under Chris Paul. Like it's it's automatic, and like you know you know when he's going in for it, and you know the uh, like the opposing team knows when he's going in for it, and still they can't do anything about it. You guys play together as well, which is. It makes every player kind of on the floor a little bit better. Like it raises the floor for like Mikel Bridges or, mm-hmm. you know, Cam Johnson campaign, mm-hmm. even Dario in there. Like he isn't Absolutely. doing a lot, but, but his gravity on the court is doing a lot for you guys. Like when he goes to the corner, but he can defend a four on the other end. Completely. That's it's great for the rest of the team. Like you guys are just working as this unit, but it, all works on offense and it should because you have Chris Paul, but it all works on defense because Aiton became like a legit center. Aiton's blossoming. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but Aiton's blossoming has been one of the most incredible things to watch on this team. I mean, I'm a USC basketball fan. I'm Pac-12, a huge Pac-12 fan. And I watched Aiton kick our butts playing for Arizona when we played them in the uh, the championship, the Pac-12 championship. And then they picked him up on the Suns. And I was like, oh, come on. I mean, and, um, you know, and he like kind of had a slow start. And I am just so happy to have been witness to his growth as a player. I mean, physically his growth. I mean, he's been hitting the gym and it's amazing. He's super physical now and he knows it. And he's just throwing his weight around and I love it. But um, he really has benefited probably more so than almost anyone on the team from uh, the leadership that Chris Paul and like Jay Crowder um, and Monty have have brought to the team. Um, I mean, he's just he, he just listens to all of it. And you can tell like when they get and tell him like, hey, you know, this is like just, get, you know, give him, him some advice. Like he, he really takes it to heart and like makes the change. Yeah, that's that's precisely what I was going to say is his willingness to learn is really awesome as well. And a little context there that not only did they pick him when you were like, oh, no, 
they they picked him over Trey Young and Luka Doncic among other players. Mm-hmm. I think that was more of the apprehension of people reacting to that pick in general. Yeah, but I would agree. It, I would say it worked out for all three teams, which it rarely does. But I think all three teams are probably pretty happy with the guy that they got. That's a really good point, actually. That's a really good point. You know, I, I'm, I'd be really curious to know if those three players had been kind of switched around among those teams. Like, would they, th- would those three teams be as dominant as they currently are? Interesting thought scenario. In this scenario, can the Kings not pick Marvin Bagley? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we can have everything that we want, you know. Uh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, you know. All right, got a few other questions here before we get into playoff talk. Uh, what's been your favorite uniform from this season? Oh, I mean... You know what I'm going to say here. It's got to be the Valley jersey. The, the Valley, Sun, the yeah. Sun's Valley jersey, and it's incredible. Like, that change was one of the best uniform changes, like, I've been witness to. Like, I personally, I think it is a fantastic rebranding. I think it really represents Phoenix. I mean, I don't know about how many of these other places where they have nicknames, like Rip City or Sacktown or whatever. Like, how many, like, people who live there actually call the city by that name but i grew up in phoenix and i can tell you literally every single person in phoenix refers to phoenix as the valley and they always have and so it was just the perfect rebranding in terms of the name i love the black it's fantastic super sleek the sunset is amazing i mean that's just anyone who's been to phoenix knows sunsets are like none other in this country and um, I love the rebranding of the court as well. Uh, just I know we we're talking uniforms, but just like how they match up. Oh, the little the little silhouette of the desert and the cactus right there on the side. I, I really like it. And, and it all uh, comes together with the remodeling of the uh, stadium itself. Like anyone who has not been to the Phoenix Stadium recently should go check it out. It's very sleek and very well done. I'm really impressed. Well, we will definitely go next season. I can promise you that. Let's do it, man. Absolutely. And never apologize about talking about court aesthetics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're on the NJ pod, my man. This is what we do. Like, <laughs> I love talking about courts. And yeah, you talked about that that silhouette of a cactus specifically. That's always at the bottom of the screen when mm-hmm. you're watching on television. That's right. So cool. So subtle. It is such a nice touch. And I think with those Valley uniforms, the shorts are what really sold it for me. Mm-hmm. When I only saw the leak initially, I was like, it's a cool top, but the shorts can really ruin it. And the shorts for the Suns have been questionable in past years. This is true. This is true. Our whole uniforms have been questionable in the past, but absolutely, the shorts can make or break a uniform, I think, more so than... Like, if, if you have a good top, like, you have a bad bad shorts, and what are you even doing? Totally agree. Uh, one more question here before we get to playoffs. When did you start to believe... I started to believe, um, I'd say, in the bubble. That's that's really when I started to believe in this team. Like, I mean, I've I've always been supporting the Suns my whole life, and you know, I experienced the Nash era. I knew what it could be, um, you know. But I was I was younger, and then we had this drought, and it was tough, you know, through thick and thin. But um, just going eight and zero in the bubble, like really, and seeing like how 
Devin Booker can play under that kind of pressure. Like I knew we were onto something special, but then this season, I mean, I think uh, probably like our performance against the jazz was, was really uh, what like proved to me that we are like, we deserve to be uh, the number two seed, like in the regular season. I mean, we, we did not lose to the jazz. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would point to that as well. There, yeah, there's a few games in there where you guys were floating between the fifth and the second seed for a lot of the time mm-hmm. in the season. And then you guys just kind of went on a streak there at the end of the year. And I think it's kind of interesting, like when we were going into this playoffs, there was so much like, oh, what if Steph's Warriors get in? Like, uh-oh, the Lakers getting in. Mm-hmm. And now the playoffs have just been like chalk. All the top four seeds won in both conferences. And now the second seed right there, you guys just moved on. Mm-hmm. It It's going chalk, ironically, after all this conversation about the play-in and, you know, do we believe in these top teams? And it's like, no, the Suns are just good. They won a lot of basketball games because they're good at basketball. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think our performance, especially in the playoffs, uh, is really uh, a testament to the, the balance that we have on our team and the depth. Um, because, like, Obviously, you can look at, you know, like our series against the Lakers and how dominant AD was in games two and three. And like we were kind of scared as to what was going to happen. You know, we were down to one. But I think ultimately teams that are balanced and have that depth usually will come out on top. I mean, obviously, AD got injured and who knows, you know, what that series would have looked like if he were still there. But I fully believe if he had been healthy the entire time, we still would have come away with a series win. Um, just like, I don't think any, uh, one star or two stars can carry, a, a team past this sun squad that is just so balanced across the board and so much talent on offense and defense. Um, and I think you saw that very clearly against the nuggets. Um, you know, Jokic could only do so much. I mean, he went off in game three. I mean, he was like 30, 20 and 10 or something. His stat line was ridiculous. Shout out to the 20 rebounds. Mm-hmm. got that big beef oh yeah uh yeah so let's talk about it. the nuggets first sons there you know because the lakers series has been basically talked to death what do you think like one game in how are you feeling you guys took game one i felt i felt pretty good you know honestly like i i did not think it was going to be a sweep like until we took a really solid lead in game three i was pretty convinced that the nugs were going to get at least a game off of us especially especially at uh, in denver like i didn't know if we were up to the task of winning in denver like both games i mean it's that's a tall order to fill right especially you know it's game three jokers getting the mvp in front of the crowd that's usually like a really emotional night for mm-hmm. a team but mpj did deal with back spasms was a back tightness right i mean it's kind of unclear exactly what was happening but then again it's also kind of unclear what has been happening with chris paul as well oh so i'm never one to ever point to i am just i'm i'm firmly in camp fuck injuries Mm -hmm. i hate all injuries i want to see all the players play at the highest level all the time like Kyrie going down today is just Mm -hmm. it sucks i really hope that it's not that bad of a sprain yeah so I, I didn't want Chris Paul to get hurt. I was mad when that happened. Yeah. And then when AD got hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I want to win against a full opposing team, like at their best. Like I want to feel really good about the victory. And that's why like tonight with the Jokic ejection, 
I think it probably should have been a flagrant one. I think that, you know, he's, he wound up and like, it definitely should have been a flagrant, but like, I was pretty surprised that he got ejected for that. And I'm impressed that the, that the nuggets were able to kind of put on the performance that they did once he left the game. But like, as a Suns fan, you're kind of sitting there like, Oh, you know, this is kind of unfair. Like, let's just, I, I don't know. I, I wanted him to be there the whole time. Like I wanted it to feel good. It still felt good, but um, yeah, and I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I feel the same way. I felt like it should have been a flagrant one, everything like removed in a vacuum. Like he pretty firmly went for the ball and then campaign kind of like is moving his head in and it brushes up against his bicep and then he swats the ball out. It's like if that's a flagrant two then <laughs> i mean i see a lot more yeah. like people meeting at the rim that is a lot more dangerous and totally. violent and mm-hmm. well it was circumstances aside the i completely agree yeah yeah well and the some of the commentators were talking about how the the way in which he came down on like the side of campaign's face because he did like there's one angle that like no undeniably he he hit him in the face but it was yeah. it was not um it was not just like straight up like smacking him across the head or anything but like they were talking about how that kind of movement and that kind of force like at that angle across like this part of the nose you know like can break noses and i think they were just concerned that it was you know i think it didn't look um like as bad as it actually was like physically to campaign because i think he was actually like in in pain so to speak oh dude a stinger on your nose your eyes water that hurts so bad i don't blame him at all for like going fetal position i'm like dude Mm -hmm. getting banged in the nose is not a good feeling yeah but then i think if you add all the circumstances in there it's like as a ref, you got to almost make a judgment call and bring in both coaches and be like, hey, I understand this is a 3-0 deficit. Mm-hmm. It's a frustration foul. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm going to call. But like, you guys have to understand that if at all this gets in any more out of hand, like this, like we're just going to really start ejecting people. Mm-hmm. So like, make sure you talk to your benches and treat everybody like adults and like, yeah, let's play out the rest of this basketball game because right. the Nuggets did make a push there. They absolutely did. They, they did incredibly. Yeah. I don't think that they would have been able to actually pull it off. I think the Suns actually relaxed a little bit mm-hmm. when Jokic was ejected. We got sloppy. We had some turnovers that should not have happened. Right. So, and I don't think that that, I think you guys would have been laser focused had he been in the game. So it probably ended up the same way either way, but yeah, just nobody wants to see that on any side. Yeah. I think I, I would have been very okay. I think everyone would have been very okay if you give him a flagrant one. And you say, you know, anything remotely close, I don't even care if it's like questionable, like he's gone, but like, we'll give him another chance. Like, but anything remotely close, he will be ejected. And we saw him and uh, campaign dapped up there before Jokic mm-hmm. walked off the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sportsmanship is, is, is good. Like I, I was really happy to see that. I'm glad that they got that on camera because, you know, you could have probably heard stories about Jokic going up to him, but like just seeing that, splice that that you know that shot of him going up to campaign and them kind of you know being cool with one another like that says a lot and i think uh i think a lot of the fans can can see that yeah well what else did you see as a fan tonight 
what else did you, you you see anything else there on the court that you want to talk about from that Nuggets series or that Nuggets game specifically? Yeah, let's see here. Um, you know, to actually, today was the first time that I noticed that uh, Jay Crowder is wearing two individual shooting sleeves. Did you notice that? I always thought he was wearing like an undershirt, like a long sleeve undershirt. But they're not allowed to. You're not allowed to wear a full long sleeve undershirt? Nope. So it has to be double sleeves and a long sleeve. I actually, it, it drives me a little nuts, the t-shirt thing underneath. But I actually decided today that Jay Crowder, it doesn't bother me with him because he covers literally everything. He goes double sleeve, t-shirt underneath. <laughs> then he goes the tights, but you're not allowed to wear the tights that go into your shoes. You know, the when right, Dwayne right. Wade did that like mm-hmm. however long ago. So then he wears the tall socks to meet that it's just like <laughs> he's basically wearing like a superhero suit out there yeah yeah it's like um it's like the basketball equivalent of those michael phelps full body suits oh you yeah, know the shark skin suits? yeah 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 you just kind of like have ultimate uh aerodynamic ability you can just like zip in and out of the defenders i love it i just thought that was funny like i, I hadn't really noticed that and i didn't know about that rule and because like I, and i was looking like all of the other players have just an individual shooting sleeve or no sleeves at all. And I just thought it was funny. Like one day Crowder just wanted to wear double sleeves, double leg sleeves. He's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going all out. I'm wearing all the sleeves. Honestly, I bet it's because he got tired of scratches. Like if you look at any NBA player's arm, like Mm -hmm. who doesn't rock sleeves, they're like covered in scratches. Like they just get (laughs) nicked up all the time. And if I had tattoos and stuff, like Mello always double sleeves, and I figure that's to like protect his tattoos. Mm. Mm. I mean, the sleeve came to the NBA because Allen Iverson allegedly, I don't even know what it was, but like had an inappropriate tattoo. So he wore really? that sleeve. Yeah. Like they made him they made him cover it up? Yeah, I believe so. I think it might have wow. like nudity. I I'm not entirely mm. sure. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. You know, I I I'm not surprised that the NBA made him do that. But the fact that it was Allen Iverson kind of spawned this whole fad. Oh, AI is a legend. What would you wear if you're an NBA player? Would you go? I'd wear one of those shorts, like uh, long shorts. Oh, I mean, I think the short shorts are coming back. I think if you you see, uh, oh, there was someone I was watching the other day um, who was wearing like some pretty short shorts. Um, but I, I I think the short shorts should come back. I would totally rock the short shorts, and maybe I do like one one leg sleeve like uh mm-hmm. like booker lonzo or lonzo oh, and, Book- and booker yeah yeah would you go left or right leg i would go i would go uh left i'm a lefty i'm right-handed but i'm left-footed so i'd probably put it on my Whoa. left leg i know interesting I know. yeah i uh, i'm goofy footed on on skateboarding on a skateboard and a snowboard and everything and if i'm on a scooter i pedal with my left foot kick a ball with my left foot I don't know, man. Genetics is weird. What do you bat? Do you bat right-handed or left-handed? I bat right-handed. Yeah, yeah. What do you throw? Right-handed. Right-handed? Yeah. Everything oh, okay. right-handed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can kind of throw left-handed. It looks a little funky, but like I can I feel like I've I've put in like minimal effort to make it not totally awful where it just like goes the other direction. Like if I throw a football or a baseball or something with my left hand, like I can I can get it going in the right direction. I can't. I can't speak how far it's gonna go, though. It looks as good as Ben Simmons' left-handed shot. Yes, that is. Again, you're you're crushing it with the with the analogies. That's that's. Hey, thanks, man. That's exactly right. I work hard, you know. Just 
I just want to work hard and be the man. Uh, <laughs> check just like Jimmy and Butler. check. <laughs> we, uh, we still don't know who the Suns will be playing in this year's conference finals. It could either be the Clippers or the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Both teams, probably a formidable opponent. But if you got to pick a team like that you would just prefer they play. Just like for you personally, like if you could just pick the team they play, who, what team would you... Yeah, I mean... What, what, what do you got? I think I, you know, touched on it a little bit before. You know, I have a soft spot for the Clippers. I'd like to see the Clippers uh, go to the, the conference final. I think that would be really fun to watch. Um, I think they've got a, a lot of uh, really amazing talent. And I love just... I love all of the, the Kawhi memes. So I pretty much any any uh, chance at endless Kawhi memes, I'm I'm there for it. But I just, I don't know. I don't really like the Jazz. I don't have any use for Rudy Gobert. I think he can be a dirty player. And I think also, you know, ever since he touched all those mics, I'm just kind of like, ugh, Rudy Gobert. Come on, man. And his name is kind of, it's easy to say in a way you don't like him. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Rudy. Rudy Gobert. And also, like, in the stadium, they'll do the Rudy chants. It's like, come on, don't be soiling my man Sean Astin's name with those Rudy chants. <laughs> come on. That's not the real Rudy. Sheesh. But I, I, I think I just I, I think it'd be really fun. Um, and I had people who are really solid Clippers fans who are who are friends. And, you know, I have ties to L.A. and Phoenix. And I just I think it'd be a really fun series. Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously want that as well, selfishly, because I live in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. potentially I could go to a game, maybe, you know, depending on ticket prices and True. things like that. But I did pick the Jazz on the podcast mm-hmm. as the champs. So eh, I don't really care about that that much. So I think I would rather see the Clippers as well. Um, give me give me like three other things from your list from from the Nuggets game there. Well, let's oh, yeah, let's we, see we, 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 I jumped ahead a little bit there. I we, we got talking about sleeves and uniforms. I got I got distracted. I, I want a few more Van notes here. Totally. Um, well, you know, I think one thing that I was really impressed with was, and we've demonstrated this before, but is just when we have shooting slumps, to not let it affect the flow of the game or like the flow of our speed and our style. And just our ability to get back on defense and make big stops and make big plays. Like there were a number of times tonight when Devin Booker missed wide open three pointers, you know, something that does not usually happen. You know, I think that can kind of psych players out sometimes. And just when, you know, something that is like supposed to be a guarantee just does not happen. And then they get an easy rebound and then it's a fast break the other way. Um, But Jay Crowder was lights out. He made some huge stops um, and stopped that momentum of the Nuggets when they got those fast breaks off of like very easily makeable shots by our our stars. Um, Both he and uh, Mikhail Bridges were amazing on defense tonight. And I just my hat hats off to them. Yeah. And I I think uh, your guys like offensive rebounding changed a lot of possessions as well. You guys got second chance at points. Mm-hmm. just because they were trying to kind of leak out there. They were trying to get some easy ones. And you guys just, I love that when a team doesn't like play defensive, they're like, oh, they're leaking out. We got to get defenders back. It's like, oh, they're leaking out. Let's send another rebounder in. Let's send a third. Yeah. Let's get crazy. Let's only send two back. Mm-hmm. Let's play aggressive. I love that. Like where you're attacking even in other phases of the game. Absolutely. What else you got? Yeah. I think another thing I really like 
Well, first of all, I really like Tory Craig on the team. I think he's a really fun addition. I think he comes off the bench and does a great job. Um, but to know that, you know, this was his old team and, you know, he knows a lot of people on the staff, knows the players and throughout the whole series put on, you know, pretty solid performance and just to, but to be part of this team and to like be a unit that people can count on. And like, you're, you're part of the, you know, like you've been taken into the son's sort of family. Um, and like, I think he seems to really enjoy his his time so far in phoenix and to like see that in the context of being in denver and then winning the series in denver and then seeing him go up to all of the other uh staff members after after the game and you have like really solid hugs with them it's just it's really good to see like you i mean you don't really know like what those relationships are like but you like from a, a fan sort of vantage point um it's really it's really nice i like it Completely agree. And in a jokingly manner. So this is the Tory Craig revenge series. Mm hmm. Y yeah. 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 And the, la the last one was the Jay Crowder revenge series against LeBron. Mm hmm. And now if it's against the Clips, Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Being now, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, hello. Hello, Mr. Balmer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Remember me? <laughs> well, and that'll be interesting. I mean, just again, like, I mean, if we are able to play the Clippers, It'll be really cool to see Chris Paul after the game, you know, just go up to, I don't know, other people that he that he used to know. Um, I mean, I don't know how many people are still there anymore, really. Right. Like, Is Lawrence Frank even still in the front office? I don't know. You know, I have to imagine like it's it hasn't been a completely cleaned house. I mean, I don't, who knows? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't but, follow that stuff. As nor do I. Nor do I. I should. <laughs> but um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does go up to some of those people. I don't know. And I think everyone else out in the league and fans in the stands can see uh, the kind of person he is and his character. And I think that's why he gets a lot of the respect that he has. Also, because he was like shot like uh, like 70 percent tonight or whatever it was. It was crazy. He made like all of his shots until like the last quarter. He missed a couple of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I remembered seeing a miss from him. He's also like, he had that 15 points, 15 assists, zero turnover game mm -hmm. uh, the other night. And it was like, ah, oh, he was, he's the first player to do this since Chris Paul did it <laughs> in 2014, who was the first player since Chris Paul did mm -hmm. it in like 2008. And it's like, oh, in this like century, in this millennium, like the only guy who's done this is Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hilarious hearing uh the commentators talk about like when chris paul has like one turnover or like two turnovers and they're like what are we seeing right now like it, it was that did you just see that did you see like chris paul turn the ball over was that like did did i actually witness that like that was crazy oh there's an alien flying whatever did you see mm -hmm. that did chris you see paul that chris thing? paul turnover what he like had the ball and then he gave it to the other team just like willingly like that's cr why would he do something like that yeah, I just it's it's just so fun. All of his post game pressers, uh, you can tell like he just he's having a really good time, and you know he's had a lot to prove. You know, and it's weird because like he hasn't because he still would have been known as one of the greatest point guards out there um, if he had retired and whatever. But like because people had sort of doubted him and told him to retire and said that he was like in the end of his career like that's what he's trying to prove is like that he's not quite done yet you know um that he still has more gas in the tank and it's really just 
awesome to see him just keep going and just crushing it and have almost 40 points. Oh, I love it. I love it. I can feel your energy too. Give me one more thing. One more thing from your list there. Ooh, let's see. Probably uh, that I'm always perpetually impressed with Mikhail Bridges hops. He, that man yeah. gets up, dude. Like, and he's a lot taller than I think people realize. Like he's very lanky. He's not like the, the thickest guy out there, but dude, he gets up. Chris Paul lobbed him a ball um in like somewhere in the middle of the game like second or third quarter i thought and like i did not think mikhail bridges was going to be able to get to the ball let alone catch it and slam it down and he did both of those things perfectly like butter i mean it was incredible and he's done that multiple times like he catches lobs all the time and like i feel like i shouldn't be surprised anymore but like it's it's awesome. It's so cool to see Mikhail Bridges just go off, and um, you know, as much as like he uh, sometimes it feel it feels like he is kind of a simulation. Sometimes I've said that his face kind of looks like CGI. Like I don't know if you know what like, interesting. Like even like what I even mean by that, but like just the way that he kind of like moves his mouth guard and like the way that his eyes are always kind of like just always kind of looking ahead, like very focused and like. His he has like no wrinkles anywhere in his face. It's so smooth. His skin is beautiful. Very neutral features. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is like he's very well proportioned. He's very handsome. Like yeah, yeah. But like he like his face just looks so perfect sometimes that it looks fake. And um, you know, and then just like with the way he plays, given like his proportions, it's like is this guy real? Like this is this is amazing. <laughs> like it's just fantastic and always impressing me. Um, and, uh, like I know some people who wanted to get sun's jerseys and they went with a bridges Jersey. And I just think like that speaks to his performance that he's been putting on in Phoenix. Yeah, it's cool. Shout out to number 25. That was number 25 for a year or maybe even two years there in high school. Tough to remember nowadays, but I did pull up his, uh, basketball reference page, Mm -hmm. his measurables, six, six, two Oh nine. So he is quite lanky. Mm-hmm. You want to hear his his nicknames here? Do you ever go to Basketball Reference and look at the nicknames? No. What what, what are his nicknames? Because it's sometimes you're like, I've never heard a player call this before, but it'll be under their and it's, if it's on Basketball Reference, it's an official nickname. You know that name is getting thrown around the league between the players. Right. So we got Noodles. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Inspector Go Go Gadget. I want to know the story behind that. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> String bean. Okay, yeah. Brittle, which I think is almost offensive. Br- brittle, jeez. Brittle, okay. yeah. Huh. And then, okay. uh, and then praying mantis, which is I really like that. good. That's yeah. cool. That would be cool if Kevin Harlan just like, and there goes the praying mantis throwing it down once more. He got up for that ball, ladies and gentlemen. Like, dude, that would be incredible. Are you seeing what I am seeing? Really <laughs> Kevin Harlan, I, I thought I could do it, but it turns out I can't. That was good. You know, I I like to think that all of his conversations, he does his announcer voice. Because it's like, it's so, because he has these, con- like, he's talking to Reggie Miller there. And like, Reggie Miller's just talking like a normal person. He's like, right, you are, Reggie. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, you're doing this announcer voice. But it's like, maybe that is the way that he always talks you know he's like talking to his his kids or something he's like all right and we're on our way to school here get in the car yeah 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 Go, here here let's do a little role play yeah, uh, yeah. um 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a server at a restaurant, and you're Kevin Harlan. You walk in. All right, scene. Hello, sir. I'd like a table. Is there a table for one? Actually, two. I have my oh, it's a three. I have my two children here. Actually, I forgot they were with me, but they are here. Table for three, please. Oh yeah, 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 sir. Here, let, let me sit you down. Here, here's some menus. Um, what, what, what can I put in for you? We, we got uh, tacos. We got burritos. We got, you know, do you want some chips and salsa to start? What, what can I get you, sir? Oh wow, you know, I thought this was a burger place. I didn't realize this was a Mexican restaurant, but I do love Mexican food, so I will still eat here. Burritos and tacos sound amazing, but uh, I think we'll get some waters for the table, please. <laughs> Just to start. I'll, I'll be right back with that, sir, and then I'll, I'll grab you some chips and salsa, and, uh, you know, it, we do have ground beef, so if, if you want a burger, we, we, can, uh, we can make that happen. Whatever you want. I would, I, would, I would like a burrito. I'll take a smorgasbord. I'll take a, I'll take a burger. If you got, uh, you know, hot dogs as well and uh, pizza, whatever you want. Really, I'm just looking to fill myself up right now. Scene. And scene. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We're gonna have to bring Kevin back. Uh, I want. I want to hear his commentary after uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy. I want to mm -hmm. hear his thoughts on it. Oh, he'll have uh, thoughts. Okay, so let's talk about it here. Let's get down to brass tacks. Which team are you most frightened of between the Jazz and Clips? Um, I mean, I'm probably more frightened of the Jazz. Just, I mean, even though we've we've beaten them more times than we've beaten the Clippers in the regular season. Like they just, they have the, I think they have the capacity to beat the Suns more so than the Clippers do. Um, just with Donovan Mitchell and, and uh, Rudy Gobert. And I just, I, I mean, the, the talent is amazing on both teams, but I feel like in terms of the way that we play and the height that we have locking down Rudy Gobert is, is tough. It's like, it's like locking down, um, the Joker, even though the Joker is better than Rudy Gobert, but um, it's it, it it will be tough to play the Jazz. So it, if it is the Suns and Jazz, who's the best player in that series across both teams? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I'm biased, but I'm going to say Devin Booker. Like, I think Devin Booker is going to be the catalyst to winning a potential series against. Uh, the jazz. I mean, when he lights up, when he goes 35 plus 40, that's pretty much a guaranteed win because, um, you know, when he catches fire, it really inspires the team, the rest of the team to go off. And as much as like, I might want to say like Donovan Mitchell might be uh, like in that conversation as well. Chris like, Paul. And Chris, I mean, Chris yeah. Paul, absolutely. Like, Rudy Gobert, yeah, yeah. There's some good players in in that series if it that does become the series. Totally, totally. Well, the reason I, the reason I ask this is if it is the Clippers, who's the best player in the series? I mean, I think I'd probably go with uh, Devin Booker again. I mean, o over Kawhi. Over Kawhi. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, mm -hmm. but that that is that that's a. I think I mean Ka warm Kawhi. Take. Kawhi uh is a lot more physical in the paint and has the ability to score physically at that range and he's he's a great shooter as well but i think like if you're taking devin book like if Kawhi is iso on devin booker and vice versa i think devin booker comes out on top of of those matchups not by much not by much but i think he does 
Interesting. I think his I think his moves with the ball. I think his moves with the ball are better than Kawhi's. I think he has more finesse, and I think the finesse is uh, is kind of like that X factor. I love your confidence. I I, I can just you know I'm biased. Energy you know here. I'm biased. Yeah. But come on. I love it. I love it. This is what I wanted. This is why I bring you on. <laughs> All right. So then I have to ask you a final question. Are the Suns going to win the finals? It is what? June 14th? June 13th? We're recording very late here on June 13th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know I jinxed the Cardinals last time I said, uh, you know, they were going to go far, but I think it was at a much different position, uh, you know, place in, in the series or the, the season for that matter. Um Ah, what the hell? I'll say they'll I'll sell the win. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say they're gonna win. Let's go. I'm gonna say they're gonna win. Yeah. They're gonna get their first championship. This is the year. Uh they're gonna go up against um dude. I oh well now that the Bucks tied the series against the Nets, like it's I I don't know if it's gonna be Suns Nets. Like I think that's what people wanna see. I think that's like what people are expecting to see. But um it might be Suns Bucks, and but like Either way, I think the Suns are up to the task, and I think the energy is going to be out of this world, and I'm so here for it. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say they're going to win it. All right, well, I'll tell you what. If uh, if they do win, I'll come for the parade. We'll, yes. I'll come up to Phoenix, and we'll, we'll go to the parade. Let's do it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really hot, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll bring a wide-brimmed hat. Yes, yes, a nice summer hat. Uh, well, what do you got to plug? I know you're in something recently that shot. You did some acting. What, what, what do you got? Tell the people what you've been up to or, or where to find you on, on the socials. What, whatever you got. This is your moment. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the old this camera, this camera, this camera. Tell the people what you have going on in your life. I don't know. We'll probably get copyrighted for that. Hey there, Van. I'm looking at you now. Yeah, yeah. What do you got going on? I can't do the Kevin Harlan. I'll work on another announcer. Dude, you know, it's like it's like Kevin Harlan is an idea. It's like Spider-Man, you know? It's like the Spider-Verse. You can be whatever you want. There's all different kinds of Kevin Harlans. Maybe I can do a Mark Jackson. His commitment to the defensive end for his basketball team and for his basketball franchise is a foundational experience that only a player can can do from being on the court for... 38 to 40 minutes a game where they are dedicated to the defensive side of the court because it is so special. How's that? Is that a good Mark Jackson? That's like, that's uncanny, honestly. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll we'll do the booth with Kevin and Mark. We'll do a little TNT ESPN crossover. (laughs) Yeah, we'll call some highlights or something. Yeah. All right. What do you got, though? What were you in? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I just been working on, um, various, uh, films and shows. I mean, I, I, uh, haven't been, um, acting as much recently i've been just working as uh like a pa um and getting my grind on um but yeah you can find me on i do a lot of streaming i stream on twitch uh you can find me under pastrami paladin that is my handle on uh twitch and also youtube uh p-a-s-t-r-a-m-i right p-a-l-a paladin i got it i got it there it is you crush it. It'll be in the show notes there for anybody who didn't write down that spelling as Van said it, but I will include it there. That's right. Yeah. So if you're into any sort of uh, Twitch content, I do, um, you know, fun interactive stuff with uh, the chat and just video game stuff. It's not as much sports stuff, um, but 
Uh, I got that going on and uh, just playing a lot of music um, as well. You know, we we're uh, we're waiting with bated breath to uh, to get the band back together here. Um, but we are just um, I'm just playing drums every day. It feels amazing. Yeah, it's like the it's like the end of a Marvel film. It's just like gooses will return. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like that black screen with the white writing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. basically yeah where we're at there. Well, dude, thank you seriously so much for coming on and staying up late here and recording this pod. Um, Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, we we if you guys do go to the finals too, we're bringing you back on. That that's just that's happening. Please do. You know, all I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. All right, dude. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Right on, dude. You're crushing it. Go Suns. Woo! (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers. Summer is here, and it is the perfect time to step up your cooler game, and there's no better option than Mammoth. They make the best coolers since the Ice Age. Mammoth Icebergs are stainless steel reusable drink chillers. They're like space age ice cubes, built with 18.8 kitchen grade stainless steel and insulated with high tech thermal gel. They will keep your drink cold up to two hours on a single freeze. The best part is the icebergs won't water down your drink and are completely reusable. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word at checkout, to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, it's time for Nick's picks. As I mentioned at the top, we had a rough week last week. We lost all three of our bets. I can recap them here really quickly for you all. We had the Nuggets on the money line over the Suns. The Nuggets lost 105 to 122. As we heard just a little bit earlier, the Suns ended up sweeping that series. So that looks like a really dumb pick now. Uh, next pick we had, we had the Hawks money line over the Sixers and the Sixers ended up winning 118 to 102. They were now up 2-1 in the series. So Hawks not looking so great there. Maybe it's like the Knicks picks curse that I've brought upon these teams. But, uh, of course we had the Clippers over the Jazz there. The Clippers were a plus 145 on the money line. They lost to the Jazz. The Jazz won 112 to 109. Kind of interesting there though because the Jazz were favored by three and a half. So, you know, if you had the if you were playing the spread there, it was a three-point game, depending on which side of the spread you're on, you were biting your fingernails there at the very end. But let's uh Let's get on to our picks here for this week. Some winners that we got picked out. We are down $87.14 with an overall record of 36-53. We have two picks for this week because they have not put out a line for the Brooklyn series because of Kyrie's injury, I can only assume. They're waiting to do that for the next Bucks next game. So we only have two series here to pick from, and I don't really want to jump off the basketball bandwagon until I have to. 
So the two games we have, we have the Sixers at the Hawks. The Sixers are favored by three and a half points in this one, and they are a minus 160 on the money line. And the Hawks are a plus 140 on the money line in this one. You know, like Van and I talked about a little bit earlier, a lot of conversation has been going around with these playoffs of, oh, this team could upset this team, and oh, this young team's coming up. But this this has all been chalk. You know, so what we're going to do is we're just going to take a deep breath, pick a favorite. We're going with the Sixers. I know it's a minus 160, but since we only have two picks this week, we're throwing down $15 on this one. So that's going to be $15 to win $9.38. Not bad when picking a favorite. And then for our other game here, you know, logical deduction will lead you to Jazz at the Clippers here in Los Angeles. And I am going to be at this game tonight. I cannot wait to watch live basketball. I have not watched live basketball in 18 months. So I am ecstatic. And of course, we have to put a Knicks pick on this just to, you know, season it up a little bit more. Just one more flavor to the pot. So, okay, let's get to the numbers of the series. Clippers are favored by four and a half points in this one. And there are a minus 200 on the money line so interesting that vegas and really the people gambling think that the clippers are going to even this series here but like i said we're just taking a deep breath we're going chalk and if you're giving me positive odds on chalk the number one overall seed in the west the best conference in basketball the jazz are plus 170 on the money line and we're, we're gonna take that right there so we got the Jazz to win. We're putting $15 on it, and that's $15 to win $25.50. I can recap the picks here quickly for you all. It shouldn't be too hard considering it was just these two picks. We have the Sixers to win on the money line. That's $15 to win $9.38. And then we have the Jazz on the money line, which is a plus $170, so that's $15 to win $25.50. But that is it for me this week. If you want to say hello, you can do that by sending an email to hello at begonia.fm or tweeting at me. My handle is at Nick Jaley. Thanks to Van Comerford for joining me. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring the episode. And thank you for listening.